this is Rob Bau and today in Turbo Talk we're talking to Alex Kameer, performance manager at Team Bike Exchange. Welcome back to the Turbo Talks podcast. It's the first episode of 2021 and road cycling is slowly but surely getting on the way again. But how have all the riders prepared in their rough season for the unknown of the upcoming cycling season? And how can you, as a recreational cyclist at home, prepare yourself best in an off season? We're going to find the answers to these questions and more with our guests for today. It's Alex Kamir, he's performance manager and coach at Team Bike Exchange. Welcome, Alex. Thanks for joining the Turbo Talks podcast. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Welcome. You're welcome. How has your off season been as a coach? It's been busy. Um, it's an interesting time to be a coach at the moment. There's a lot of new uh, problems to solve or uh, uh, situations to face, as it were. So, but uh, keep keeps us busy and uh, learning new things. So that's good. Yeah. Before we're going to dive into that, could, could you explain to the listeners what what your role is at Team Bike Exchange? Sure. So I'm, uh, I'm fundamentally, I'm, uh, I'm a coach and performance manager within the team. Um, so this fundamentally means that I, I look after the riders on a day-to-day basis, the, the training and, and, and general planning of their seasons. Um, and beyond that, if uh, the, the general structure of the performance within the team, uh, along with the performance group in general. So how we try and move the performance forward uh, across different different areas and strategies um yeah that sort of sums it up really is that all pure training based or is it also in terms of like innovation uh, maybe nutrition etc yeah exactly uh we, we cover performance across the board um and that, and that will cover nutrition and the day-to-day training and the location of training and the, the types of training um this will cover aerodynamics for tt work or you know it's a pretty far-reaching area to cover um and these things we all have uh, an input in uh as coaches within the team and who are some of the riders within the team that you work with that you're the coach of uh for this year i'm working with uh six riders um on the, on a day-to-day basis um, Lucas Hamilton, which would be familiar to the Australian riders. Uh, Cameron Meyer, also familiar to the Australian riders. Um, have some guys in, in Europe, uh, like Amon Jansen, um, is a new guy to the team, come from Lotto Jumbo. Uh, we have a young guy called Alex Konashev, a uh, young Italian. Um, Further to that, we've got two other Australians, actually, uh, Alex Edmondson, and I work also with Damien Housen. So. Okay, so there's a bit of variety there as well in terms of like classics riders and GC riders. Uh, Correct, yep. How does that influence your job? Is, is there a big difference in that approach? There is a difference in the approach, yeah. Um, the specificity of the training changes depending on what you're trying to achieve. Um, but... I enjoy the the crossover. the The difference of approaches is something which is is good to gain experience in. Um, yeah, that's yeah, good. So, so in this uh, in this one, we want to focus like what happens during the off season. So, basically, what happened in the past couple of months? How did you prepare the riders? Um, can you sort of like talk us through from the moment like the last season, previous season ended, and what happened then? 
Sure. So by the end of last season, uh, to some extent, was return to normality. Um, a lot of the races went ahead as planned. Um, there were some new uh, requirements to get to those races for the riders with COVID testing and so on. And, and so a little bit more uh, attention to detail around being uh, a little bit more confined to your own bubble um, and just making sure that the, the sort of health and safety side of it was was paramount in order to get the guys to the events with a minimal chance of, of contracting COVID. But but from a racing perspective, a lot of it went ahead as normal. And, and so that was uh, a very welcome return to, to, to pinning numbers on race jerseys and, and for the guys to get back out there. Um, leading into the off season, it changed a little bit, particularly with our team. We have a lot of guys going back to Australia and that required the two week quarantine, um, once they landed there. So yeah, the logistics of that and the timing of the off seasons and, and the restart to training, there were some small knock on effects to, to how that would work. Um, the bonus for the, for the guys riding back in Australia is that once they've done their two week quarantine, uh, it feels very normal for them. Uh, the restrictions are, are quite low and yeah, they, they can train and, and behave as, as they have done in previous seasons. So how does that look like when they, when they start again after maybe a, a bit of rest uh, or quarantine in this case? Um, what, what does that first couple of weeks look like building it back? Is, is it really a case of building or what's happening then? What's the focus on? Yeah, so... The, the focus is always, uh, or the timing of the focus is built around the first objectives of, of, of the individual, of the rider. Um, so in some regards, you, you work back from that. Um, and that could be, you know, the, the short term, the midterm or the longer term goals. And depending, depending on the race calendar that is set up for that rider, it just sort of dictates how that periodization looks. But typically... For all guys, the first two weeks will look something similar. It really is just a reintroductory phase of training, anatomical adaptation phase of training, um, refining that rhythm in their day to to be full time athletes, and and just ironing out the, the creases to to uh, structured uh, focus training, which which typically comes after after two weeks of reintroductory work. Could you give like an example of the of the reintroduction sort of like in those first two weeks? What are what are the type of workouts that they're doing? Is it just hours on the bike, or is there already efforts involved? Or yeah, so typically um, you will the the intervals in training will be will be minimal. Um, you may or you may well include cadence variation work, uh, so you know higher or lower RPM uh, drills, um, and typically you will include you will begin to include in this period uh, the reintroduction of gym work and so if you've not been in the gym for a while if the athlete's not been in the gym for a while then then this can take a little bit of, of adaptation to get used to again and so really it's just uh reintroducing on a on a lighter scale the the training that that they need to be getting ready for um, and so fun the fundamental goal of that is is consistency in the training and just a low intensity reintroduction to the aspects that they'll uh, be needing to do more consistently after that first period. And if we move then on from that period and go move into sort of like a, a second period, what is changing? Yeah, well, this would change a little bit between coaches, um, between um, 
the rider preference or the experience with a particular rider. Um, there is in globally, I suppose, two schools of thought. Um, and the, the more traditional uh, sort of phased approach would be a progressive build from that point. And, you know, typically for me, uh, th this will involve a strength development plan. Um, so the, the primary objective at that point is is regaining or rebuilding and building residual strength in the athlete from a combination of gym and bike work. Um, the caveat that is, is there is no sort of exclusivity to that. Uh, the goal is always to be building fitness in a bike specific way as well. Um, but just when that sort of uh, physiological freshness is still there off the back of the off season, it's a good time to be working on the strength component, which is a lot harder to do when, when the fatigue load and the, the chronic load of training is, is much higher. Um, so that, that, that's how I do it. The, the flip side of that, and, and I know of, of some coaches who do implement depending on where their riders are based and, and how their riders respond to training, but there is a reverse periodization approach. So, so it's not un, unseen to have riders that will be doing high intensity work uh, directly off the back of, of a small reintroductory phase um, following an off season, um, which would be, you know, targeting the, the VO2 max type intervals and, um, yeah, the, the, the higher intensity training zones. Has there been a shift in, in what approach is being more common with coaches in the last couple of years, maybe seeing the popularity of, uh, maybe like the high intensity that of cyclocross riders or how they are coming out of winter or. I, th I think there is a, a trend of change. I think it's small and it's progressive, and it's it's not uh, it's not black and white. But there's there perhaps is on the scale of grey a, a shift towards um, acknowledging, like what you said with the cyclocross riders, acknowledging that intensity in the off season is not is not fundamentally a bad thing. Um, but again, it, it comes down to a little bit of the the coach's bias and the coach's understanding of the particular athlete. Um, and, and finding the, the correct sort of formula, if you like, for, for the individual. So if someone has like a big goal, which is like a big objective that is working towards, how long would that building block be for you, basically from the start? Would it be like 12 weeks, 16 weeks or? Yeah, so for example, uh, this varies quite a lot. Um, so we, if you were to take a, a typical sort of restart to training period with the way the cycling season falls is, is mid November. So if they're finished racing in, in October, um, mid November is, is a pretty common time frame for the, for the riders to have had an off season and, and recommence training in the build up towards Christmas. Um, then, the variation of how that build looks will depend largely on on how their calendars fit. So if you've got a guy who's targeting uh, the European sort of uh, one week races, the the, the the bigger world tour races, for example, Paris Nice or Torino, um, then their build is is fundamentally looking a little bit different than the guys who are targeting, say, the Australian uh, National Road Series Championships or um, a, an earlier target. It doesn't change too much, but it will influence the uh, the amount of intensity that is required for to get them to a level where they can be competitive at any given time. Um, 
so it, it will vary a lot uh but so so if we take like uh grudel jansen maybe like one of your athletes now yeah. and i assume he's more targeted towards the classics coming up correct yep so amund has uh again another sort of caveat this is depending on the the, the training camp phase <laughs> that you have so um but amund is is has been on what for me at least uh is new to me and so the, the approach we've taken is one that i've build up with the the classics riders that I've worked with over previous years. And, you know, it's uh, it's an experienced place to start. And so uh, he's been on a traditional build. Um, and sort of if we were to say he did his two weeks adaptation phase and then uh, he went into his strength development phase, um, with him being based in Andorra, uh, there is a lot of off-bike activity that he will include um cross-country skiing and this type of thing but but that can be included in and alongside um as a replacement if you like for bike volume uh for, for just for kilojoule expenditure he's still getting through good hours of aerobic stimulus um so for him there's a bit of cross training mixed in but the overall view of it looks the same he did a two-week introductory phase he did a, a three to four week strength build phase um into Christmas and over the Christmas period, a bit of recovery, uh, family time, um, which kind of banks that first sort of six week block from the middle of November. And then the way that our team uh, has its European uh, camp, it's its first training camp of the year, is uh, we have a heavy focus on on, on low intensity volume at, at, at our camp. So the overload is volume. Um, and, you know, you sort of 35 to 40 hours of training in a week for those guys um which is something you can only effectively do well with good support and so therefore it's done on a training camp um but with this known block of bike volume it sort of structures a little bit either side of that how you will go into that training camp the specifics you know you're going to do in that training camp and then what you need to do on the other side of it to prepare them for the for the in in Ammon's case for the for the classics um so in between the Christmas period and the start of our camp, which was the middle of January, he had a bit of recovery and then he went into a, a bit of an intensity block. Um, this is a way of just like kind of block periodization. So he does the intensity and then, you know, with, re with relatively low volumes and then he goes into our training camp, which is the polar opposite of that is lots of volumes and, and lower intensities. Um, on the other side of that is recovery. And then for us in this period now, we're just working on the race specific intensities. So we're working on the the type of efforts that you'll have to make in races um, and the fatigue resistance of those specific intervals and intensities that it will have to work within. So that's sort of like the final final block? It, it is, yeah. And then once they start racing, fundamentally, yeah, you don't have much room to move. <laughs> um, <laughs> like if, if the race calendar is busy, you are racing and recovering largely and yeah so what you sort of enter that race period with you don't have much room to to control the narrative at that point you're you're reliant on the race dynamic to to sort of uh bring the the specific condition along a little bit further towards hopefully your peak condition for the biggest biggest goals which would be the the, the cobble classics for example yeah so, so for the listeners sort of like to recap can, can you name sort of like the blocks or the faces again that you yeah, so for me personally, we have an anatomical adaptation phase that will last roughly two weeks uh, for the for the pro professional athletes, primarily because they're very used to training. So that that phase is 
is quite easy and, and quick to get done. And then we move into a strength block, a strength development phase. This will normally last for three to four weeks. Um, and the, the primary goal there is the development of residual strength, a lot of a lot more focus in the gym and, and a build of, of aerobic condition and pedaling dynamics along with that. So that would be cadence variations like high force pedaling, high torque pedaling. Um, then in, in this instance, we have a recovery period that is a small recovery phase over Christmas. The following phase from that would be uh, a VO2 and, and a power development phase. So this is uh, high intensity and, and polarized intensity. So um, it would be like a hard session followed by an easy endurance ride and, and, a, and a rest day. So this is quite a small acute period of training, normally 10 days to two weeks. And then in our case, we go into this uh, training camp, which is really focused around uh, really high volumes. And so that just becomes uh, low intensity uh, overload, low intensity volume overload phase. Um, but off the back of that, typically you're going to require some recoveries. So there's another recovery phase. And then we move into what I refer to as a, a race specific intensity phase. And that's where we're at now. And this will last three to four weeks, depending on the race calendar and when the racing starts. Um, and that's sort of, that's the periodization from an off season to a, to the start of a, of a season specifically for a classics, classics focus. So if you look at like it throughout that whole training block, um, what is the use of like an indoor trainer in that case? Do they spend a lot of time on the, on the tax as well? They will spend a lot of time on the tax depending on the athlete and where they, where they are training from. Um, for example, if you know, the Scandinavian riders and, and guys in, in sort of colder winter climates will, will typically be inclined to spend more time training indoors. And so the, the, the Neo tax has a lot more, uh, gets a lot more use by those riders in an off season. Um, and the home trainer is a, is a good tool for controlling, controlling the load, um, reducing the exposure to, to, to harsh elements, um, and, and a, and a convenient tool, uh, in the, in that situation. So, and what is then the, the data that comes out of those sessions? What is it, what you focus on as a coach? What do you want to see? So, well, the, the data that we collect is, is well, relatively, well, we try to keep it relatively basic because it's easier to, to, to follow that data set, um, with some validity. So we're always tracking power. Uh, we will track the cadence. We will track the heart rate of the athlete. Uh, if we're using torque, we will, we will look at torque dynamics a little bit. Um, if we're using, you know, cadence variation in, in the session, um, RPE as a, as a subjective measure from the athlete, um, climbing meters, depending if this is indoor or outdoor training and also the, the total kilojoules that the athlete is, is getting through. So the total energy that they are getting through in training, um, which helps steer uh, decisions around nutrition and so on. Is that also a feature that you would like to see your athlete having on his on his Garmin Edge computer during a race or during training? The same the same dynamics that you just named, or yeah. So well, in in a race, um, the most important thing for the athlete is uh, to be paying attention to to the race. 
Um, but fu- fundamentally, this will change a little bit, and you'll have you'll have probably heard, and a lot of the listeners will probably have heard of, you know, Team Sky riding to to their sort of threshold powers on climbs and so on. And so, in the Grand Tours, de- definitely there is a a case of being able to use um, the power data to to a specific advantage. Um, this is much less so in in more dynamic one day races like classics races and so on, where there's a a little bit more of a of a tactical sort of approach to the to the race, and so it's important that the the athlete isn't overloaded with data that's in front of them. But uh, it's important at the same time that the coaches and the performance staff, the sports science group, will have be able to collect the data that they need from those races to guide decision making around, you know, uh, when an athlete should be fueling in a race and how much they should be fueling and when when they could be, you know. Uh, having recovery periods and, and when they can be, when you can manipulate some variables around trying to look after that athlete within the race. So, how has that insight changed over the last couple of years? Um, I think it's it's a, a, just a progression of understanding. Um, as more data is collected, um, more understanding can be gained. Um, I suppose in the most recent years, one of the big focuses has really been around making sure that the, the racing and the training is fueled properly. Um, this is something that was perhaps maybe not overlooked in the past, but maybe not given the the, um, the respect it, it deserved. And so there's a big push on uh, making sure the athletes are, are getting the, the necessary amount of fuel in racing and training to, to perform optimally. Um, and so this is something that has, has progressed uh, a reasonable amount in, in recent years. So th- there's a lot of stuff that you obviously pay attention to to your pro uh, to your pro cyclist, um, how they prepare, etc. But what can how does that translate to the recreational cyclist? How can he sort of like plan his season or about an off season? What he's got to pay attention to? How does he go about the same phases or? Yeah, f- fundamentally. Uh, from from a, a you know a world class athlete to to an amateur athlete, the human performance is based around similar factors and, and the same factors. And so, um, whilst the the loads and the the quantities of training and and the level of that training will be different, the the focus of the specific training can be the same. Um, you know, it's it that doesn't need to be different. Um, what needs to be different is respect for the athlete's uh, specific potential within that given phase of training. And in terms of obviously, like you said, the quantity will be different as well. Um, I've heard sure. you mentioned cross training as well. What are the types of cross training that 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 the recreational cyclist can do? Sure. So yeah, just to to clarify your point there about the the loads will be different absolutely the training experience of the athlete and the level of that athlete and the time that that athlete has to train will dictate the the loads that are appropriate for them that the quantity of training that that, that is appropriate for that athlete um and so that is that is a, a fundamental uh point of the of the specificity and the 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 targeted individualized approach of training that that should all be a major consideration um, and then for the cross training well um, 
again, it, it's what's at your disposal a little bit. Like uh, expending kilojoules, expending energy is uh, can be done in a lot of different ways, and and providing you can control the intensity of it to a to a point, then you'll be gaining, you know, systemic and cardiovascular and, and probably neuromuscular health and fitness. And so, um, it, if an athlete is you know, near a ski resort, then, then skiing and cross country skiing, uh, are particular f- favorites of, of them for one, that it's, it's good fun. And two, that, you know, you can control the, the variables quite well. Um, at the same time, a lot of the professional athletes will do a lot of running in the off season. Um, you know, the, the weight bearing exercises are particularly good for cyclists to include in their training. Um, as it's something that is is a little bit difficult to do when they're in the thick of the season, and so just for for general health of weight bearing exercises, it's it's a beneficial uh, exercise to do. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's a there's a, quite a scope of what different athletes will do uh, depending on on their preferences in in off seasons to or and in including in their seasons for cross training depending on uh, their preference of of activity um and and sort of when that activity can be appropriately fitted into their to their training and when time time is a constraint and you still want to get that really big quality sessions in and maybe you're living sort of like in the middle of a city it's hard to get out traffic lights etc would you then say jump on the tax neo absolutely i think uh if fundamentally whilst cross training is a useful tool if athletes and the, the listeners of this podcast most likely cycling is the focus then cycling uh, specific training is where you're going to get the biggest return, uh, you know, for your cycling ambition. So riding, if, if time is limited, then riding indoors on the home trainer is, is uh, an extremely worthwhile tool uh, and is used, yeah, is used significantly at, at the world tour level as well. Um, and particularly now with the online platforms and, and stuff, it's much more engaging. Um and the, the coach can also be very specific with the training when using the softwares available with with uh, tax trainers and 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 the platforms to to set specific interval sessions that the athlete can follow almost without uh, actually having to do anything but turn the pedals. So um, absolutely, uh, indoor training is a is a very time efficient way to to uh, improve your cycling performance. Is it something that you've incorporated more over the years with your athletes? Yeah, it, it is, I think. And I think that is fundamentally a, a case of the fact that the, the technology for indoor training um, has improved drastically and it's no longer uh, so much of a, of, a, of a pain for the athlete to do it. Um, there's a lot more you know, sort of stimulus coming at you through, through your computer screen and the riding of the, of the home trainers now with differences in, in uh, resistance loads and, and the accuracy of that from direct, direct drive trainers is, is really a useful tool for controlling the narrative as a, as a coach to the athlete. Uh, so for sure, it, I do, and, and I'm sure many other coaches use it a lot more now. All right. Uh- we're almost going to wrap it up. We've got one more question for you because obviously in the current time that we live in with the pandemic, a lot of uncertainty. How do you adjust the, the training for your athletes so they still reach that peak at the right time? Yeah, it's a great question and we are learning to deal with it uh, more and more. So I think for an athlete, it's important that 
uh, they don't lose focus. And that's probably one of the biggest aspects here. Um, if a race is cancelled, it's it's easy for an athlete who's been working towards a particular event for, for many months to, you know, feel like it's a bit of a wasted journey. But uh, keep, keep the keep the ambition alive and, and refocus to the next goal. Uh, and, you know, the maintenance and the balance of the training um can can be can be done it's not it's not that difficult but uh you need the combination of the of the attention of the detail to the training but also the the ambition and the focus of the athlete to to keep that drive moving forward all right perfect it kind of sounds to me like you should just never stop cycling as you say carmen <laughs> do it <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks alex uh, heaps for your time uh, and your wisdom obviously all the best for you and the team bike exchange this season no worries thank you very much appreciate the uh, the sentiment there all right perfect and thank you all for listening to another episode of the turbo talks podcast please make sure you tell a friend about the podcast and share the insights that you've learned from it and yeah like we just came to that conclusion in the meantime make sure you never stop cycling this was Rob Bauer with Alex Kamir of Team Bike Exchange. Stay tuned for the next Turbo Talks.